Hey Miranda, how are you? I'm wonderful, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited for our political conversation today. Yes. The Bookworms pod is taking on French politics. Yes, the Bookworms are now just bookworms of nerdy political books, which is what we've really always been, but very true. We're so excited to talk about politics because uh, like I said, we're nerds about it. We love it. We both study politics in university. Yeah, we're political junkies. Yeah, before we begin, we have been forgetting this, so let's just go right now. What are you drinking today? I am drinking a nice cup of black coffee because it's that kind of day. Black but I love coffee. it, so. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, just can't I get over know. people who drink. It's that. not espresso; it's just like a drip coffee. Like so, it's I really worse. like tomato flavors. Anyway, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> I'm drinking a maple tea because I'm just being extra Canadian today. It is maple tea flavored with sweetened with maple syrup. So, I feel like that's the exact same thing you had last time. Is this just your like winter drink this year? Um, I think last time I had like iced maple tea but yes it is okay i really so sorry i don't often have maple syrup so when i do i just really love using it to sweeten things because it's so good anyway there you go very canadian of you (laughs) (laughs) that does sound better than my black coffee so okay well let's get into it because like we said we are political junkies at heart yeah of multiple different political systems yes so this is like a fun episode of french politics 101 since the french election is going to take place in the spring of 2022 Mm -hmm. so a few months out it's starting to pick up speed with all of the different characters entering (laughs) the arena but we thought hey let's go through the basics and get you up to speed and maybe give you a few suggestions of books to check out or things to keep your eye on in the news. Yeah, I'm really excited for this because you are always much more uh, well-read on the history and the like background of France, and then I can come in with the politics a decent amount. Not that you can't, but I'm really, I feel like this is a great melding of the minds because I, I, I always yes. find French politics or French the French history to be very very confusing so like let's start because I think that one of the things that I love about France is it's just it's indecision throughout history over how it wants to govern itself all right so so just briefly start us off because I am the historian out of the two of us she's the parliamentary expert I got my history degree yep so you know I'm gonna make it useful unlike everyone that told me it be useful so here we go <laughs> so a brief background to france and its political history is that many people know it used to have kings the versailles the, the roi de soleil the king louis and henry's and all of these people so there are monarchies but the french also had empires and those are also Quite well known because those were led by Napoleon. It is plural. There were multiple empires and there were also multiple Napoleons. Just a little fun fact if you want to Super look confusing. Yes, and it goes from Napoleon 1 to Napoleon 3 just to confuse you even more. That's not fair. They can't do that. <laughs> oh, but they do. And we have republics as well. So there are three distinct types of governments. But basically, 
What a republic means is that there was a constitution. And unlike in the U.S., where we are still operating on a constitution that was written in 1787, France has decided to update, transform, and change their constitutions throughout time. I personally think that is not a bad idea. I don't know about you, but I like the idea of modernizing to deal with modern problems. Yeah, it feels like the right choice to sort of say life has changed let's relook at this so it, every time that there's a new constitution there's a new republic yes yeah so the republic dissolves with the constitution and there is a new republic and a new constitution so the france is currently under the fifth republic which was started in 1958 under general charles de gaulle So this was an interesting time period for most countries, especially those in Europe, of reconstructing after World War II, finding their identity, understanding the new power balance. And so this constitution tried to address challenges that had occurred since the last one was written. And a lot of the quintessential French things we know today come from the Fifth Republic and Charles de Gaulle's influence. For instance, the famous French motto, which is, Myrna? Liberté, égalité, fraternité. Exactly. Liberty, equality, and fraternity, which is just everywhere. It's on every official document. I feel like it's on tourist stuff now. With For sure. You know, puns yeah. of all sorts of people. Liberté, égalité, like... Yeah. Croissant, you know, just like, okay, yeah. let's, let's, <laughs> there are limits, it is but I swear, people are trying to do all sorts of fun things with that. Uh, that comes from the Fifth Republic, so it comes actually much later. It's not as old as people think, and, and basically it outlines various aspects. So they really changed the way elections were done. They changed how people would be represented. They gave the people more of a voice compared to previous republics, so that's kind of the background uh my spiel for today of what we're gonna get into so you all are now experts because you listened to the last episode about parliamentary systems but we're going to talk specifically about france um this time and dig a little bit deeper into their system so as you will know uh france differs from canada and the uk parliamentary systems because it mm-hmm. has a dual executive this is yeah. the big one so france has nationally popularly elective president who is accountable to the people and then a prime minister who is the head of government we explained this before but i'm just going over it again because this is really the foundation of france's system it's really interesting and it's it's somewhat unique we also talked about how the president who is considered the head of state um, appoints a prime minister who's the head of government and that prime minister doesn't have to be from the same political party and actually, often is not. It yeah. is often not, but in the current context, uh, he is right. Jean Castex is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the current, uh, very recent, recently um, appointed prime minister is uh, Jean Castex. It's been like what two years now. Yeah. But what's interesting to me is that they're not actually accountable to the people. So right. There's a distinction. There is a prime minister not accountable to the people. So what does that mean actually? Yeah. So who are they accountable to? <laughs> Well, I mean, in some ways, they're accountable to the worst people, which is the rest of the politicians. They, because as the head of, <laughs> as the head of government, 
um, they have to push forward the priorities of uh, the, the prime ministers or the sorry the president. So the president sort of says, "This is my vision for the way the world world want I want France to look." Um, and the prime minister has to make that happen legislatively and within the within the body. Now within the um, national assembly, uh, he is not necessarily accountable, but if he loses the faith of the people he needs to control to sort of push forward those priorities, he becomes irrelevant. That is the worst thing mm-hmm. you can do, right? So um, they're not accountable specifically. <laughs> However, I would say that that job is really hard because the mm-hmm. there's an important thing that I, I read about this when I was looking it up, which is that the president, although he appoints the prime minister, he can ask for a resignation, but he cannot fire the prime minister. So that's important. Isn't that interesting? It is. It's yeah. I just, I just think that's it's an interesting, but I, I guess it makes sense when we're talking about a dual executive. One executive right. can't cut out the other executive. Right. So logically, it makes sense. But as you say it, you're just like, what? It is a weird sort of sense of like, I can hire you, but I could never fire you. That's interesting. Yeah. But also very French, right? <laughs> like once you get that CDE and your pastor probation period, you can't. It takes a lot. The security, to get fired. yeah. There's a lot of job security. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would I would say it's a good point. Like they're not specifically accountable mm-hmm. in the same way. Um, but also, like we talked about, the the pre- the president is very specifically accountable because they are directly voted for. So mm-hmm. that that's a difference as well. Now, in addition to the prime minister being accountable to the president in some ways to make sure that he gets stuff done or they get things done, um, there is also a council of ministers. So in mm-hmm. in Canada, I refer to this as the cabinet, but it, it's the same principle. There are ministers that are in charge of different areas of policy like health, defense, education, etc. Yeah. And there are some problematic ministers <laughs> currently serving under Macron's... If you want to know, look them up. It does not take now, much. Now, again, I will try not to talk too much about Canada, but there is also plenty there. Because the defense, we just have a new defense minister, and she is a breath of fresh air. So <laughs> there's something there, too. Um, but the point, the point that we're trying to make here is that there's delegation of policy, right? So yes. the Council of Ministers, you know, all of the things... A country is a hard thing to run, and there are so many mm-hmm. policies that matter so much to individual voters. And the amount of things that people care about that I don't care about, or things that I care about that's other people, it's not even on their top 10. You know, the, to, to accomplish all of the policies that you set out when you run, um, you really need to delegate power. So the Council of Ministers is essentially a version of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they meet on a weekly basis to sort of advise the president and prime minister, but also to get checked if they're doing their job right hopefully (laughs) yeah hopefully hopefully but who knows (laughs) and so we also talked about sort of the difference between a bicameral system everybody remembers Mm -hmm. what that is what's that pop quiz right now (laughs) (laughs) pop quiz helen what is a bicameral system a bicameral system is when we have two legislative bodies so by meaning two so that would be the National Assembly, or Assemblée Nationale, and the Senate, or if you want to say in French, that Senat, or just take away the E, you know, mm-hmm. just don't don't have the hard T. So there you go. Very similar to other systems that we talked about last time, or even the U.S., we also have that 
bicameral to legislative bodies. Exactly. And Canada does as well. So we have the parliamentary body and then we have the Senate as well. France has 577 deputies or members in the National Assembly. And yeah. the Senate is about 358 senators who are voted for indirectly. We also covered this before, but I'm just going over it again because it's important to see like the structure of France to make a law. It's like back in Civics 101, we talk about how a bill becomes a law. There are. Did you guys have the song? Because we had the song, a song in the U.S. It was really cute. No. Yeah, it was like Schoolhouse Rock, and it was this little, basically wrapped up paper, and it was it sang to you about how Mr. Bill becomes oh my a gosh, law and no. like bounces around. It's so cute. That's yeah, adorable. Yeah, Schoolhouse Rock. Bill becomes a law. YouTube yeah. it. But I do think what's interesting is that the the bodies have different priorities. So one Completely. is more focused on representing the people who they were directly voted for so that would be the national assembly right the deputies are directly voted and they have to be accountable to the people represent their interests represent their regions their priorities but they also are are responsible for pushing policy and so policy is slightly different than laws whereas the senate focuses more on enacting legislation and confirming laws and kind of like what you mentioned last time being a second pass Mm -hmm. right of is this law ready to go ready to become part of this fifth republic yeah and and exactly there's there's a point in saying that the senate sees things that have already been through the the national assembly so they they Mm -hmm. are focusing on what are the issues of enacting this what are the potential you know risks to presenting this and actually being a part of a, a french culture and society so mm-hmm. um you're right that they have very different goals um they also have different terms so yeah. the uh, members of the national assembly have a five-year term um and senators have a six-year term but that's recent it was changed it used to be nine years which is a quite mm-hmm. quite a long term honestly it is. so interesting i mean i also find five and six years to be very long as well <laughs> but well especially compared to the u.s system of two years i mean the senate right. is also six in the u.s but two that's that's a hard election cycle especially the way the u.s does elections like france is a lot more strict and we're going to get that in our third part of the political series of yes. upcoming elections but it is fascinating how many restrictions are in place and how it's completely different but before we get away from yeah the senate I have a quick question. Do you know where the Senate building is in Paris? Oh my gosh, I think I do. I think it's in the uh, the Jardin de Luxembourg. Exactly. <gasps> I think it's so funny. There's so many people that go to this beautiful garden and they're walking yes. around and like taking photos in front of this beautiful old building. I'm like, that is the Senate. That is the second legislative body of France. <laughs> it just blends in. <laughs> Shockingly, I don't know where the National Assembly is. Is that also as beautiful? It is gorgeous. It's along the Seine River. Oh. Uh, if you ever take a boat cruise, you you pass by it. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. I would say that um, just for comparison, our Senate is very ugly and our <laughs> our Parliament is very beautiful. So it's a mixture. <laughs> yeah i just think that's a fun one so if you're ever in paris and you find yourself in the luxembourg gardens now you know 
that is part of the French political system, the building yeah. that you're taking pictures of. At least they're giving <laughs> us that. <No. laughs> yeah, and we should also discuss a bit how senators are appointed, because yeah. that's a really big difference between the two bodies, is they are not directly voted for. They are indirectly voted. So again, we kind of clarified this last time, is when you hear indirect voting, think appointed, chosen by someone who has been voted for. Correct. So it's not just placed or given, right? but it's slightly different. So France has an electoral college, and before people get very upset or confused, because the amount of times I've had to teach, explain, make PowerPoints for friends <laughs> on what an electoral college is, it's not the same. It's not the same in France, but no. it's a similar principle of you have... 162,000 grands électeurs, or, or big electors, so yeah. that would be uh, very similar to the electoral college system in the U.S., but these are deputies from the mm-hmm. National Assemblies, these are other senators, these are regional councillors, departmental councillors, and municipal councillors, so regions, uh, departments, think of those as uh, large counties, like yeah. chunks of territory and then obviously municipal being the city level so you have kind of a multi-level approach national regional departmental and local who are choosing these people for these six-year terms to give an idea of who these people are and they're essentially the idea is that they're trying to be you know integrate the local into uh the federal right so these these people mm-hmm. are you know whether at, to different levels as your point like the a department is a much larger region than a municipality or a, a city councilor but um but the idea is that they are more local than someone who runs for federal mm-hmm. politics right so that's the the spirit behind it now i've heard that there is some annoyance with the Senate in in France just because the use of the sort of rural or uh, local councillors to appoint senators sometimes can skew the Senate to be generally more to the right wing, regardless mm. of what the national, like federal makeup is. And so it's interesting because it's based on people who are elected but at the same time, generally tends to be more right wing. And I've heard that in general, there are some people who think that the Senate should be abolished and there are some people who do not. (laughs) And that sometimes divides along party lines because of the sort of right lean to the Senate. Right. I also think there's discussion too on what they do with all of their time as well. Yes. I, I think that's a, an overall discussion on these legislative bodies is how many are actually present. So Miranda talked about CPAC and I mentioned the American mm-hmm. version of C-SPAN. France has, has one and it is interesting to see how empty the hall is. <laughs> or even recently yep. there has been issues of just people missing a vote and then being mad that the vote happened and the party that won was like, well, we were there. Where were you? <laughs> and that's yeah. a great question. Can you imagine just not showing up, showing up for a vote? <laughs> it, it's just, it's a very interesting thing. And so I do think that is a discussion that's, that's had among people is what are they actually doing? The amount of 
things uh, get caught on camera as well. Oh, boy. Maybe you shouldn't be doing that when you're on televised or, you know, enacting laws and policies. You're just, it's fascinating what people do sometimes Absolutely. when they don't think people are watching. But yeah, it is, it is a question. I, I, I don't have the right to vote. You don't have the right to vote. But I, I do think it is interesting to think about the differences of what happens when you get older people later in their careers, you get certain, uh, group think mentalities right like you're right. going to get the same profile of people that have done the same types of jobs have probably worked together for a long time there's not that mix yeah that you get on the national assembly level because people are voting for them because you can have a range of ages and more discussion or more diversity because from from local yeah areas being different right where that's not necessarily going to be the case in the senate and so i do think that is a question of is this useful? Is it really well, serving is it still a purpose? Relevant like, in our, I think that's yeah. part of it as well. Is, is this still relevant? Yeah. Is this still serving the checks and balance purpose that it was set out to do? Mm. Because there's definitely an importance of saying, you know, people should look at laws before they're enacted because some laws can be incredibly damaging. And, and mm-hmm. have, you know, long-term consequences. So I'm not against the idea personally, but I do think it's an interesting discussion of, like, how much good versus how much, you know, how much benefit are we getting from this versus the sort of controversy and issues that come come with it as well. Yeah, well, like, kind of what she mentioned last episode, too, is the parliament can't have met for a four-week session. I think there's still right. the question of that, too, is it's considered a very cushy job. It's not considered to be very difficult or time consuming. And that's kind of a problem because these are really high responsibilities and high stakes. And so there is that imbalance of whether or not it's true. It's the perception, right? This is how the public perceives something. And so I do realize in every system, the public is not aware of a lot of behind the scenes work or the amount of time it takes to negotiate or research. So you know, I would say with the asterisks of, no, I do think they're probably working harder than what yes. is perceived, but there is that issue of, you do need to address it. If the perception is that, then maybe let's work on some communication. Let's work on actually showing the process or making it more aware. But I'm also the approach of educate people, let them understand what's happening. Because yeah. once you do, you're like, oh yeah, I can understand why this takes eight months to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, when, if you're not aware you don't understand why they can't sit down and get it done. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's 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 a complicated process. I was recently looking over some old debates for work and there was someone who said um, famously, I believe it was Napoleon, oh God, I'm going to get who, the person who said it wrong, but I believe it was Napoleon who said the two things you should never see, see made are sausages and legislation. And it is so true <laughs> because it is a dirty, it's a dirty job. So we were talking as well about terms and i think that that's one of the mm-hmm. elements of a checks and balance is like how long do you get to be in power without an election holding you to account for your actions the president is elected for a five-year term um and it can be they can run a second time so in total it is possible mm-hmm. to be in power for 10 years um mm-hmm. but that that also changed semi-recently because it used to be yeah, in 2000 actually yeah right. So it changed under 
Jacques Chirac, who is a former French president, and it changed in the year 2000. So he actually had a first term of seven years. Right. And then a second term of five. So he's the transition one. But prior to that, the term was seven years. And so that is an interesting discussion. The U.S. has a four-year system. I believe Canada has a five-year if they have a majority. Correct. Uh, We have an example in Germany of it, again, can be a very long run as as chancellor. Same in the U.K. is there's not necessarily term limits, but that's also comparing prime ministers to presidents. But there is a question is, is four years enough? Some would argue no. What, what's the addition of the fifth year? Is seven years too long? Is it not enough? It is an interesting question to look at how to make sure the country has a consistent mm-hmm. forward progression. Because it is, it's hard to do and. Like we just said, it's hard to get things done in a very short time period, and years go by fast Yes, <laughs> when you're negotiating. Absolutely, and uh, just in the Canadian example, like, uh, we rarely have majority governments. We, we have had, we, they mm-hmm. happen, but I would say the, a lot of it is, is minority governments, which means you can have an election usually every two years, and it is very hard to actually accomplish transformational change when you're having an election um, every two years. So five years does mm-hmm. give you a little, like a good period of time to accomplish some really big changes. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned Chirac, and I think that one of the things we could talk about are some of the sort of famous heads of state that France has had, because yes. uh, there are some characters. They're so interesting. It's like, <laughs> we need a TV show on this. It's it's incredible. I, mean, I would watch it. <laughs> Like instead of like, like instead I love of, like, the crown, but give me the Fifth Republic. Yes, and let's have a drama on each of these. So maybe we can start with the biggest name because it's the airport. Uh, Charles de Gaulle is yes. sort of the father of the Fifth Republic. Yeah, and he actually served twice. He oh, so basically he served after the war in the provisional government, and then helped create the Fifth Republic and winds up coming back. So it's very interesting because he was well-loved and then towards the end, not so appreciated. Uh, (laughs) And had a referendum and all these things. And a referendum, that's a very interesting concept that we should get into at some point. But uh, yeah, Charles de Gaulle definitely has recovered. His legacy is well intact. And I would say overall... Uh, well-loved and that is an interesting film that you can check out there's a movie called de gaulle that goes into his life before leaving the french government to go to london during the war so that is one of my suggestions check it out it came out for those who watch emily in paris the french boss is actually in this film in a very different role. So She's little lovely. little moments. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Charles de Gaulle is there, like you mentioned. It is the sec- second airport in, in Paris. And... I, I, I feel like de Gaulle is a great example of some of the ways that a direct election of a president gives you some really incredible characters. So hear me out. Yeah. In the U.S., you also directly vote for um, the like the, the president, and I find that you have to 
be a sort of really big personality um, to stand up to sort of this national criticism and, and go against different people. Um, I find that in Canada and in other sort of uh, parliamentary systems where the prime minister or the leader is the leader of a party, it's not that mm-hmm. so much that they can't be big personalities, they still have to be very charismatic, but they have to have the confidence of their party. You know, they have to be able to have a party rally around them. So you don't get quite the same kind of, um, uh, I don't know, uh, unique qualities that you get in French leaders. Um, the other one I'm thinking of is obviously very, like, the sort of firebrand, very controversial Nicolas Sarkozy, who was yeah very... Um, uh, how do a more say? recent president. <laughs> very, and, uh, very recent. Yeah. Still in the news. Still in the news a lot because he is on trial for uh, accepting bribes and <laughs> unsanctioned political contributions from foreign governments. Right. Who he may or may not have turned his back on. Right. But it is... Interesting. It, it, yeah, you get these... But he's a big personality. But, like he, in Yeah, big, you get big personalities and, and almost like cult-like... Yes. Well, I don't want to say cult. But it is the, it is big, you know. Uh, Charles de Gaulle got France behind him. Not yeah. even just parties. I mean, they, they entrusted him with so much. Sarkozy had a, a very big personality. He still has a very big following, uh, even though he's no longer in... In politics, and you, you also see with uh, Jacques Chirac, who is a very popular uh, president. But what's so interesting is when I say popular president, these are popular people, but actually approval ratings for French presidents are dismal. <laughs> you can be so loved, they elect you, and the moment you take office, you are not going over like a four percent approval rating. Like you're going to yeah. stay at a solid thirty percent. No one's ever happy with the president and what they're doing. And I think that's such a unique thing is they yeah. can really, you have your groups that really support it. But the thing with Sarkozy, he is a dividing figure. So there, he um, he's from the Republican Party. I would say the right loved him, but he was a hugely problematic figure. He said a lot of very controversial things and I would say the left never appreciated him. No. And so you do have the question of mandates and, and that's, a little bit more difficult is because of the way presidents are elected is they get a majority mandate like you're saying but the reality is it's not actually a mandate of approval of the french population as a right. whole uh and that is complicated because it's not actually saying the majority of people in france like this person it's right. saying this is our th- the people that turned out to vote thought this was the best choice right and that's very different yeah but another one to mention is Valérie Giscard d'Estaing, or, or they call him VGE, because he actually just recently passed away uh, oh. last year. As any head of state, you know, you have different things that come up of and all course. sorts of things. But one thing I thought was really cute about him was he was quite old uh, and he came from a certain region. So d'Estaing, they had a, a castle, actually. And during the Journée de Patrimoine, basically uh, when France opens its museums, its mm-hmm. castles, all these things for free to the public, which I think is a great initiative, he ran, he ran the tours until until he passed away. Like Aww. he personally 
welcomed people to the you know where he's retired and all of that and i just thought wow that is so cool so there sweet. are not that many heads of state that you know in in the later years of life would be a docent and and welcome and present history to people i just think that's yeah. such a cool interaction that is that's that's really sweet that's really sweet. Another name that comes up a little bit is uh, Georges Pompidou. And I wonder why. Is there a famous <laughs> place in Paris that tourists might visit? Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, Centre. Um, the Centre Pompidou is yeah. a modern art museum in Paris, oh, okay. and it actually has uh, some satellite campuses. So in Metz, in um, Lorraine, they actually have the Centre Pompidou de Metz, which is satellite so anyways it is a unique building if you're walking in paris and all of a sudden see an inside out building with tunnels and stairs on the outside and you're like what is this you have found the centre Pompidou. and he he was only president for five years but he was previously the prime minister of france mm-hmm. for i think it was six years which is the longest tenure in that position's history which i find so interesting like six years is not so long considering your the president is in control for five years so i just found that interesting i feel like it's more fatiguing the prime minister oh, is for so sure they they're traveling left and right across france oh like, yeah that is it's a hard job yeah. personally <laughs> yeah no it is a very hard but yeah job. that is interesting but he was but yeah he was in power uh, as president sort of in the late uh, 60s into early 70s so he was really i think the person you would look to when, when looking at what how do we modern how does france modernize its relationships with former african mm. colonies yeah which is a huge question that we've talked about in some other episodes but you're right right and and yeah to your point with de gaulle and algeria like there's a lot there so how do we how, mm-hmm. how does france repair those relationships or move forward into a modern era. My understanding, though, is he's generally well regarded. Okay, but we also need to talk about the 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 stereotype of stereotypes, François Mitterrand. Uh, François Mitterrand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we've mentioned him before because one of the things <laughs> he is known for is having a secret second family and a love child, and. Just because he was president, that did not stop, and he split his time between the two families. Uh, and what was really big was when he did pass away, his daughter out uh, from this second family was in attendance and wow. on equal footing with his other children and his wife, and for for display on the national you know, scene. And I think that's a really big moment because I think that is one great and appropriate that a daughter can mourn her father publicly. Mm-hmm. But it is something that in other countries I don't think would happen. Yep. <laughs> and that's actually a book I want to read because she published uh, a book about her experience being oh. the secret daughter of President François Mitterrand. So wow. that has been on my TBR for a while. That's... I think that would be an interesting one for us to dig into. I think so too. I think that's a great that's a great option because that is a very unique experience. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. absolutely. So we also have like some uh, suggestions. I just want to add one to what you've said. The documentary mm-hmm. Les Bleus is a fantastic yeah. example of like how politics. It's it's 
political enough that I adored it. And it's also about um, the French national soccer team, uh, football team. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. I really like it. It's a really great documentary. And I think it it touches on a couple of the people we've mentioned um, and a couple of like the controversies. So there you can get a sense of who they are, at least through sport or through this national conversation that exists around Les Bleus. It's a fantastic documentary. Well, I do think it's it's a good way to introduce yourself to yeah some really important aspects of what it means to be French and and some of the political debates. Like one of the big things that are mentioned in it is the singing of the national anthem, yeah, uh, and, and racism and the politicalization of sports players. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting conversation for a lot of countries to have for sure, um, especially in this day and age. But yeah, that's all available on Netflix. Mm-hmm. The other things to check out, if you want to learn more about how uh, François Hollande handled uh, the terrorist attacks in 2015, there's also a uh, mini-series on um, the attacks that happened uh, in November of 2015, which uh, definitely uh, changed uh, Paris and also France. It left a mark. Oh, yeah. And it is... It is a huge event, and that is something that Francois Hollande has and, and continue continues to discuss on platforms regularly, especially as the uh, judicial procedures have been underway in the last uh, few years. So that's a good one to check out. I mentioned the film uh, De Gaulle uh, earlier in the podcast. So again, that's a nice film about pre-World War II or De Gaulle's role and the liberation, it actually ends with his announcement, uh, his very first radio announcement to go oh, London. Wow. So that kind of gives you an interesting pre-story to a story that most people have heard of, of his famous radio messages yes. to occupied France uh, citizen. So oh. those are a wrap-up of various different uh, Francophile options, series, movies, and books. So there <laughs> you go. <laughs> well, thanks for listening again one of our episodes on French politics in general and Francophone politics. Next episode, we're going to talk about the electoral system and political parties and what this next election is going to look like and maybe some of the names you'll hear thrown around. Yeah, I'm going to...